For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Okay, podcasting, Dirt Talk, Monday edition. You know, we, we rarely do these without a warm-up. We don't we don't do a warm-up anymore. I we've talked about that. Eliminating no, Well, no, I mean we rarely do these Monday episodes without doing a warm-up <clears throat> internal episode. Usually we're like kind of Oh yeah, we're a little juice, real smooth. And, yeah. Oh yeah, hey guys, podcasting. But right now we're just cold turkey. We just sat down. Alex just hit the hit it. See, see, I'm not warm. He <laughs> pressed the record button and we went live. We're just rolling now. Today's episode is unique because everybody's in the office. Without a doubt, the most people we've ever had in the office. Well, period. Yes. But without a doubt, the most people we've ever had in the office um, while we do a podcast, certainly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, usually, I maybe have to go tell one person, like, hey, can you... It's like, try not to do a phone call too close to the studio or something yeah, like that. You wouldn't mind shutting the hell and up. And now I'm like, hey, you eight people sitting here, mm-hmm. please be quieter. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please don't have a meeting right outside <laughs> yeah. the, the fucking door. <laughs> Can you find a better place for this? <laughs> There's there, there are other areas. This is not that small of a space. <laughs> There's other areas where you can go. Well, I mean, it's this like back section of the office, kind of where like the video guys have just sort of well, it's all the jabronis. The jabronis, truly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of become like a a brainstorm space. You know, yeah. there's there's three of the uh, dry erase boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I there's it's like, like a, a little clubhouse back there, it, it kind of is. <laughs> you know, like we we've got the the two like a little bit bigger like collaboration rooms in the front, yeah. obviously a, a conference room, and we've got the smaller kind of private work rooms for phone calls, things like that. But if there's kind of like a, a loose sort of brainstorming, like, let's just come up with some ideas and, and throw stuff off each other. Yeah. That's kind of become the space for that, which is sure cool. Yeah. Objectively. Yeah. But when it's like, if we're recording a podcast, it's like, can it wait? It's not <laughs> ideal. Well, I think I think they all selected that back corner too because it's it's as far as you can get from my desk. Sure. I it's am like- on the total <laughs> opposite side. I can't even see. Mm-mm. That's... Because I'm around a corner, mm-hmm. and all the other workstations are like within lines or within line of sight. That's the term, line of sight of one another. You've spoken a lot about just like the intentionality of kind of how we've put this office together, um, you know, the design, the layout, all of that. Is was there any intentionality? And well, I'll see. 
Was there any intentionality for you to put your desk where you can't see anybody? Yes. Okay. Or yeah. they can't see you. Or- I, it's, it's interesting. Like I've, I've, I recognize the value of being present sometimes and the value of not being involved in things other times mm-hmm. because it does sometimes change the dynamic as much as I wish it didn't, mm-hmm. as much as I wish I could just slide into things. It's just, it, it does change things a little bit. Um, and it's important for me to be involved, but it's important for me to say, Hey, I, I don't need to go into that meeting. I don't need to be there. It's their meeting. It's not my deal. Um, so I like to have just a little bit of separation where it's people can feel like they can work here without me watching them or something like that. Not that I would, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, shit, this guy's just staring over my shoulder all day. If I mean, if you had a workstation like in the middle of the row of t- like work tables, that would be more awkward, even though for you, you'd be like, well, I'm, I'm just working here like anybody else. Yeah. But I, I, I do get what you mean. Yeah. Because like you, you don't, you've kind of spoken before. It's like you don't want like this corner office where like that's where the boss works. Sure. You know, you kind of want it to be more collaborative, more open space while still you do, do get a little bit of separation that, you know, somebody can come walk by your desk. But if they're sitting at their spot, it's not like Aaron's looking right at me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a think, different thing. Oh yeah, a little bit of separation is important. And then I, I just I like having a little bit of space. Space is super important in how I work and how I operate. I'm like crazy. I mean, that's why I spent so much time on this office is because it's so important to me. Um, and I wanted to have my own little space as well. So, and in we're exploring the option of a second development right now. Sure, of course. Project. And in that type of, of situation, I will be, I will have a, a desk like the same, exact same as everybody else, kind of off to one side, but still amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. It'll be bigger though. It won't just be one rung. It'll be one run. It'll be a bunch of different areas of desk. Yeah. But then I'll also have a room where I can go and meet with people sure. and do whatever I need to do or just be alone in the back corner of the office. I, I think that makes sense. And honestly, like, I mean, because right now when we when you like are meeting with people that aren't necessarily like private meetings, but just like this is for you and the pe- person or people that are here to like meet with you. Sure. That's like the conference room at this point, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, w- the space isn't, it's it's big, it's spacious, but it's not huge. So we have one conference room. Mm-hmm. You don't have multiple. And so if a, you know somebody needs that, then I'm in you know a smaller meeting room. And but sometimes there's bigger groups or whatever it is. I just and and honestly, there's a lot of times where I, I like to sit in the conference room by myself. And I like to, I as I've progressed through the company, I've started to value quiet time more and more and more yeah. and time to just sit and think and be with myself. That comes largely from my introverted nature. Uh, like this morning, I just sat in the conference room before everybody got here and even just for 10 minutes, total game changer. If I can just sit, collect my thoughts, okay, we're good to go. Um, and I like having a space where I can do that. Were you the first one here today? Yeah. When did people start rolling in? Pretty early, probably. I was gonna say, like seven forty-five. Yeah, right on. Yeah, love that. Yeah, so that's what we got going. But then I also don't want to be just closed off in this room, like we've talked about. Transparency wins. That's company value. If I'm just off in an office somewhere, mm, 
that's not all that transparent. I, so I want to have a space I can utilize, but if I'm just working, I'll be at a desk. That'll be the same as everybody else. Yeah. I think that makes sense too. You know, we, we've talked a little bit on our internal podcast about like, you know, especially as our company is growing and, you know, we, we hit certain phases of kind of the next stage of, you know, growing a company, what that looks like. Um, you know, you've talked about, you know, I'm going to go do my work and you need to be able to go do your work. And some of that is, um, you know, grow our brand on, on, on Instagram or whatever. Like that has like benefit our company, but also like, you have to go take meetings and you have to work on deals and like all these things are like happening Yeah, and not all that stuff can happen at the counter of the kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, everybody's job's different here. My job oftentimes is meeting with a lot of people and sometimes meeting with decent sized groups of people. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen some of the groups that come yeah. through here. It's, it's kind of crazy how many people just show up. Um, and yeah, it, so the, the way you're going to use this space, you're going to meet with the team. Maybe you meet with somebody from the outside or something like that. So you can utilize the meeting rooms or whatever it may be. Um, but it's like, you, you know, you have a, a studio in this office. Yeah. No one else has a studio. Well, that's because this is part of this is what, what, I, what I do to do yeah. to do your job. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm going to have a, a, a room, a space to meet with people because that's part of my job. And so I need my, my space, the office itself to accommodate my job. And we'll also have a podcast studio. Mm-hmm. We'll have a, uh, a studio for filming, for video work. We'll have different meeting rooms and, and different conference rooms. And, and it'll be, the space will be, try, it'll try to be as tailored to our, our business as we can get it. Do you have any negative or not regretful, but maybe just reflective feelings about, you know, we've been in this office for four months, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we've we've already discovered so many things that it's like, man, we should have we should have done it this way in this office, but we didn't know any better. So we just went with the way that made sense at the time. Yeah. And now that, you know, because we're going to continue to grow, like eventually we will need more space. Like mm-hmm. that, of course that was going to happen. Is do you have any like frustrations about um how you know, this space and here came to be, or is it just like, yeah, that's, that's what worked for us then. It's going to continue to work for us, Yeah, but we got to be looking ahead too. It, um, most, it mostly worked out pretty well Yeah, for, I didn't know a single, like I've never built, I've never been involved in a building process of anything before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into this totally cold Turkey Our designer, Molly, she had never been involved in a commercial space like this before it, to the capacity she was involved in it. Uh, we were we were really just doing our best based on what we thought was best. Mm-hmm. Um, so given how little we knew going into this, we did a pretty good job. Um, that said, the biggest area that I it's just super frustrating for me, not frustrating, but it's I will do it much better is the kitchen area. Just like in hindsight, it would be this way instead of this way. Y- yes, the kitchen area. It's just. <laughs> It's just not quite what I want it to be. Okay. And so, and and I'm, yeah, we just moved into this office space, but people, they'll start to see we're, we have some pretty grand ambitions here. Sure. We're going to need more space is is all I'm saying yeah. right now. And space is is a problem because you need to be sometimes years out. So sometimes like right now, I'm probably two years out sitting here saying, all right, what are we going to need two years from now? 
And because that's how long the process takes. You have to you have to find the space. You have to negotiate the lease. You have to go through the planning and permitting process. You have to go through the construction process. You have to go through the punch list and making sure everything's dialed in and all the furniture and move in. That's a two-year process. Yeah. And we could just go buy something that's plug and play, just a standard office space that we could move into tomorrow, but that's not our business. And I, it just doesn't fit what we're, we're building. So I'm, I'm way down the road. The kitchen space uh, at the, at the next one, how I have it in my mind, it's going to operate more so like a restaurant than an office kitchen. Mm -hmm. So this was office kitchen. We want an open kitchen for people to use. I'm going to operate this next one. It's going to be like straight up commercial kitchen, coffee bar, commercial bar. I mean, it's, it's essentially going to be a restaurant. Yeah in a cafe within the office space that'll just be for the office. It's not going to be open to, to anybody. Um, people will be coming and visiting our office all the time. So I'm sure random people will be in there, but it's not going to be like a functioning business. Yeah. But it will be a fully functional commercial cafe. That's just a gathering place for our business. Yeah, I think the because the one we have now, it is it's much closer to like a home's kitchen than that kind of like what you say, like restaurant commercial style. Yeah. It's like a, a, a residential kitchen turned office kitchen. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's like not it's like quite, office kitchens plus residential kitchen, but it's still just a kitchen. Yeah. It is. It is. Like you said, it is a kitchen with just like what happens to be a big Island. <laughs> yes. I want, it'll have a distinct personality. Mm. And, and, and why is this so important? I was just reading about, Pixar. Pixar, they subcontracted out the food at the office. So they provided everybody with food and they subcontracted it out because it's more effective and cost-effective for a outside vendor to provide the food. They realized that was a mistake and they started hiring out all the kitchen staff. So they worked for Pixar and started making the food themselves because they thought they were not in the food business, but they realized, hey, we need to be in the food business because they function on relationships and ideas being shared back and forth. Where does that happen? It happens over food. It happens while people are having lunch or breakfast or dinner. They're gathering with one another and they're just forming those relationships. And so it's, it's in, in all these offices, I think, have that, they, they, they don't understand the importance of that. They don't understand the importance and value of having a place where people can come together, gather, build those relationships extraordinarily effectively. And it's like right now, um, people want to go to lunch, but they, there's not that many places, good places to go, or it takes, it's a two hour process to go yeah. to lunch. I want it. So you can just go to the cafe at the office and have a really, really good experience, stay there and just use the time more effectively. And not so it's, we're getting more work hours out of people, but so it's like, you just spend more time with people in general. Mm-hmm. Cause that's valuable for the company for sure. So that's my only, my one area of like, ah, we, sh- we could have done this way better. I mean, that would be, I think it would be really hard to get there. Like just in your head from like a planning perspective, I think without doing what we've done here. Well, that, well that's the point is I'm, I'm not sitting here. Oh, I should have known better. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any yeah. better. So, okay. Yeah. This is where we're at. And it's not a bad space. Like I said, we did a decent job on this. And, and some people have come in here and said, wow, this, I've never been in an office like this before. And I think that's a result. And it's 
yeah, you haven't been in an office like this because most offices, Aren't people, like this. people don't spend as much time and care and energy as we did on this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything, I tried to think through everything. Um, and right now there's a million things I didn't think about that I recognize now that mm-hmm. I'm going to go take in the second one. So there we go. Cool. Anyway, build red office. We got a lot of people here. A lot of people here. And obviously I'm not at all passionate about the office space. <laughs> Function. Yeah, he hates it. It really doesn't matter. It but doesn't matter to him. It's so important that we're actually growing. So we are are reorganizing our business. And one of the divisions within the business is BuildWit Services. Mm-hmm. BuildWit Services will house marketing. It houses recruitment. So we'll recruit for companies if they need a vice president or a safety director or an HR director, whatever it may be, some of those type of roles. Yeah. And then we're also doing um, office design and development from ground up is, hey, we need a new office. Ideally, we're involved day one so we can have discussions. How do you utilize the office? How do we attract people from the field into the office? Because that's a big problem in the construction industry is there's this us versus them mentality there. There's this division between field and office. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we bridge that gap? Utilizing the office space. How do your estimators interact with um, takeoff engineers and, and where does HR sit and how do applicants, you know, if someone's applying for your company, how do they come in and interact with your business? So we have those conversations and we're able to actually plan the space effectively so that it, it, it you can, you can drive human behavior and you can drive culture through space. So that's, this is kind of the foundation of that mm-hmm. is we tried to create a space that fosters and builds our culture that cultivates it as we want it to be cultivated. That's different for every business. So you have to start with how do we design it, design with, with our culture and what we're trying to accomplish to, to begin with. And then once you have all that and you're in construction and so on and so forth, then you can make it pretty. Then you can, you know, put your values on the wall and add artwork and maybe do a employee store, whatever that is. But that that's a smaller part of it than the actual from ground up planning on, okay, someone walks in the front door, what happens? And depending on who they are, how do they interact with the space? Are they applying for a job? Do they work for estimating? Um, are they the president of the company? How do we control interactions like Zappos? They shut every single entrance to their office. They closed every entrance, but the, the, the front entrance, so that everybody had to go through a single point within the building. Why? That's super inconvenient and stupid. To maximize interaction. So some guy that works in development runs into customer ser- a customer service guy that mm-hmm. he would otherwise never be running into. Thinking that kind of stuff through. Yeah. So we're actually providing those services now to construction companies across the United States. And it's kind of funny with the design thing too because… I think initially when you had kind of brought that up, it's like, yeah, I think we might get into that too. I think for me, it was like, we're doing, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But kind of the, the more that, you know, we've talked about the, the broader goal of, of build, but, you know, I mean, obviously like the whole mission has always been make the dirt world a better place. And so anything we do has to plug into that. Totally. And so I think where like the whole office design office, like, kind of work that we can kind of get into and 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 help our existing partners but also new companies down the line it's because like we have experience like in the industry 
that, you know, it saves somebody goes and hires an interior decorator or an architect or whatever, like their experience is designing places. Yes. But not what makes sense for this industry. Yes. And so, you know, we continue to double down on what makes sense for this industry. Not yes. like, oh, how can we grow into other industries once we nail this one thing we're doing? It's like, no, we're we're just gonna find other ways to serve the dirt world because that's what the whole point of this is. That's it. That's the luxury of having a broad mission as we do. And that's the luxury of this new services division. We can create all these services mm -hmm. that as long as they're making the dirt world a better place for the companies we work with, doesn't matter what it is. And so the biggest problem right now in the industry, people recruiting, retaining, building culture, how do you do that effectively? Well, office space is a pretty effective way to do that. Yeah. And I've been in a lot of construction company offices. How many of them have I walked into and said, wow, they really get it? <laughs> Almost none. Yeah. Almost none. And so there's this huge opportunity there to help companies think more about, shoot, yeah, we do need to be smarter about our office space. And I see all these companies building new offices and it's like, ah, oh, shoot, I wish we were involved in that from the beginning because we could have really helped them. There's a lot that we know that we can bring to the table based on all the other construction company offices we've seen and based on what we've tried to do ourselves mm -hmm. and based on what we know about the industry, there's a lot of value there. Yeah. So yeah, face value, you're like, why the hell would Build It ever be doing office development design? But makes perfect sense. It doesn't take very long for people to understand like, okay, yeah, this actually, this might, this might work. Yeah. Um, speaking of new offices, our friend Dylan Stevens at Rosso. Yes. I cannot wait to go see it. Yeah, I'm excited to go see it too. Yeah, congratulations to Rosso Constructors for opening their new office space down yeah. in Murfreesboro. How, do you know how big it is? Because like, didn't they build it so they can build on later? Like it's yeah. pretty slick. It's built to expand upon. It's it's a little less than twice this one. Okay. Sick. Cannot wait to see it. And it has a big ass gym in the back. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah. Awesome. Which is really, really cool. Man, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It was, I mean, we, we still, so we started working with them three years ago now and they've, they've multiplied their business a few times over since we started working with them. Mm -hmm. So when we first started working with them, they had this, you know, small little office space. I mean, just nothing really going for it in Murfreesboro and kind of tucked away from the main road. And then they got the second, you know, a, a second unit right next to them to grow into it a little bit more. And then they had two garage spaces in the back that they had to convert to office space. And it's just, it's been bursting at the seams for a year yeah. while this this new office space has been under construction. I think an important thing to say here is that, actually, let me back up. I think Rosso is like a great example um, of kind of what we do with like our partners because let us be clear if they didn't they didn't grow big because like we made their company really successful no like in our best like relationships and um, kind of the work we're doing we're just pouring gasoline on things that are already like burning fires yeah. ready to go yeah well I we were in a meeting, that was probably two months ago now, and 
they wanted something that I knew we couldn't deliver upon. And it was a really polished image that didn't quite exist. Yeah. And, and I told them, we're just, we're just a mirror, man. We're, we're, we're not this fancy Snapchat filter where we're going to make you look a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot, you know, skinnier or whatever it is, all those fucking filters people yeah. use these days. And I don't, I don't get any of it. Um, uh, if I look like shit, I just look like shit on the internet. I'm not smart enough to use the filters. <laughs> um, these people, man. Yeah, give me two seconds. Two hours later. People these days. All right, we're back. We just had to lay down the law outside of the podcast studio because everybody was collaborating and having a good time and laughing too loud while we're trying to record a Dirt Talk episode. I feel like when I went out there, it was like a, a, a great snapshot of how I handle confrontation because I said, hey guys, not a huge deal, but please, please be quiet. We're recording a podcast. Yeah. I could have said, like, shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. If you guys would kindly shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're, we're just a mirror uh, going back to Rosso. So all we've done is just reflect what they already had going for them and what they have going for them today. And it, it's worked out. They're a lot more known today than they were three years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, something we are not capable of doing is, is going and working with someone and saying, now you guys are a great company. Like, fuck that. We can't do that. That's not our— That's, that's not what we do. Uh, it's not what I want to do. Yeah. Um, if, uh, yeah. I've, I've just, that's why I don't like traditional marketing because it's a lot of that. It's a lot of snake oil and, oh, let's go make something look like, look a lot better than it actually looks. Yeah. It's, it, we could, in theory, be like, we got to make sure you look great in front of the people you want to look great in front of. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to like show what you do and we're going to help you get in front of the people you want to be in front of. Yeah. And we'll maybe help you attract, you know, either more business or more people to come work on your team. But like, that's just because we're just helping you show your story and who you guys are to more people. Sure. Not like, hey, now you guys look like this because we put in the work and you guys changed to you. Like, that makes no sense for anyone. No. I just talked about this with, with Garrett. Like, we don't, we don't make stuff look better than it really looks. Yeah. I know some of our pictures are badass, but let me tell you. It looks like. <laughs> that's what it looks like in, in the real world. And and uh. let me tell you, it looks a lot cooler in reality than it does on a photograph. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a cool industry. And, and the most I'll do from a staging perspective is, hey, can you tell them to fling the dirt right here instead of over there for a second? Or if there's a few dozers pushing kind of right next to each other, do you mind lining those up? Because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, why don't you all do that at the same time? You know, yeah. But you're not like, hey, can you bring out some, like, more equipment to the side? And maybe if we, I know this, the, you know, this dozer doesn't normally do this, but maybe we can do it like, the, you know, like. Yeah, and make sure everything's no washed way. beforehand. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Just, like, it is what you, it is. Can you make sure to paint all your buckets so they look fresh? Yeah. Like, that's stupid. I, we don't have time for that. Nope. So, anyway. Anywho. Dirt Talk questions. Um, our streak is still going with uh, brand new listener questions. Cool. Loving that. Super cool. Very cool. All right, let me. We've, we've really grown substantially over the past month or two online uh, with our reach. We've been reaching a ridiculous amount of people, millions of people every week. Um, and I think that helps us grow here. All right. First question is actually, 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 let me back up. Sure. So uh, last week, 
we talked about um, somebody asked a question regarding um, knocking like trees knocking over. trees over. Did you get a good answer? We got an answer. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, so this is from Cody. It's it literally the uh, subject is dirt talk response. I'm like, I don't know what this is about yet, but nice. it's going to be about something. Yeah. Um, so he says, I'm probably going to cut out part of this. I'm going to read the whole thing. And then he says, hey, Aaron and Alex, my name is Cody Andrews. Been a dirt talk listener for roughly six months now. I'm the owner operator of Cody Andrews Timber and I share a very similar career path to some of your other listeners. I'm currently employed during the week to a large, saw, large sawmill in New England where I scale logs and run a log yard. However, during the weekends... I run my own logging slash land clearing company. I predominantly clear house slots and harvest timber stands. I operate out of Woodsville, New Hampshire, and oftentimes venture into Vermont as well for work. I've been waiting to write in for a while, and listening to the latest podcast about the line clearance dilemma seemed like the perfect time. Love that. He says, I personally find myself in this problem often. The best way I've found working with Deadwood is to stay in the equipment whenever possible. Leverage is definitely key when it comes to pushing trees over. However, if the excavator just doesn't have what it takes, I find myself notching the tree and giving it a slight back cut. Most of the time, this slight tension relief will allow the excavator to just push it over. Love the podcast and look forward to hearing other people's solutions to this subject. Sure. Pretty rad. Like, yeah. can, we, can we do more of that? Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do a lot of that on Instagram or something like that. All, I mean, all, all the time. That's just what like I'm doing. Yeah, people are... Connecting hey, that? Yeah, I, we connect a lot of dots mm-hmm. is what we like to do because we're, we're not the, we're, we're, we're very rarely the actual subject matter expert, but I'm in a unique position where I know a lot of subject matter experts yeah. now <laughs> on all different subjects. Then I, I still need to, I need to reach out to Josh at Anvil cause he'll have some good stuff to say on that too. They, sure. He's been, he's been felling burn trees in the state of California for two years now. And the guy has probably felled all sorts of wildly, hazardous trees Mm -hmm. so yeah that'd be sick too uh cody thanks for reaching out man that's rad appreciate it okay questions for the dirt talk podcast uh this question is from joel being a relatively new contractor in my area who is perfectly content with the type of work i am doing how do i get the larger contractors in the area to not view me as an enemy I'm not looking to steal their work, obviously, so why is it so hard for contractors to share work that doesn't fit in their lane and might th- might get them a referral to work in the future? That's a fantastic, fantastic question. Pretty good. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the biggest problems in the industry is, and that's where a lot of other problems stem from, is everybody's constantly bidding against each other. So no one likes to, everyone operates in a silo. No one likes to share information. No one likes to help anybody out. Everybody's in just their lane, their lane only. And oftentimes they're, shoot, all the time, man. I'm, I'm, I'll be visiting one contractor and they'll be talking about their competitors. Like, yeah, those guys are the biggest assholes in the world. I'll go meet, I'm gonna go meet the other guys and spend time with them too. They're identical to the company that said they're assholes. <laughs> And they're really nice guys. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, there's some inconsistency here because I really like these guys. And I see a lot of contractors. And I, yeah, sure, there's a lot of assholes out there. Um, But it's just, it's funny how people operate in these these small little silos and they don't get out of, you'll, you'll see, go read, go read the comments on my Instagram and how dumb people sound by saying, well, you should just do it this way. Like, why, why don't you do it that way? It's like, okay, you jackass, like, 
moving dirt in Colorado is a little bit different than moving dirt in South Carolina. And okay, sure, you're great at moving dirt in South Carolina, but you've never done it in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So why do you just assume that because of what you know in South Carolina is going to be the best way to do it in Colorado? It's like, hey, if Bemis Construction, who's made a lot of money moving dirt for 20 20 or 30 years, almost 30 years, is doing it a certain way, that's probably the best way to do it there. Yeah. Even though that might be stupid where you're at. So anyway, rant over there. Um, I, I don't know. I would just try to be as helpful to them as possible. Like my mind goes to where Jocko goes. If you want people to listen to you, you need to listen more. And so I think if you want them to be friendly, just go out of your way whenever possible to help them out and get them leads on jobs Mm -hmm. and just, just go above and beyond for the guy's you want to be buddy buddy with that could provide you with a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And if you help them enough and they're not assholes, they're going to start helping you quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I think that's awesome. I think a lot of contractors, a lot of people, they just keep moving the goalposts, move, 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 move. And I want to go big because of what we want to go do. And I'm, I'm young. I think we can go do it. But, um, Getting huge in the world of construction is not always a good thing. And sure, your revenues, mon- huge revenue and big equipment and big jobs and all oh, this and this and that. But the bigger you get, the lower your margins are. The margins of the billion dollar contractors are almost nothing. Mm-hmm. It's very insignificant. I mean, it's two, 3% a lot of times. Whereas the smaller guys staying in their lane, being specialists at what they do, just doing their thing. They're doing 40% sometimes, even more than that. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. And well, they're they're just smart enough to say, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay right here. Or people like, like Reed Contracting was a great example of a company that got really big, but was still really disciplined on, hey, we just want to serve Huntsville, Alabama. We don't travel. If you want us to go bid a job out of town, not doing it. We stay in Huntsville, Alabama. Worked out pretty well. Worked out pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. You can still become massive in just one location. I've seen that happen too. But it's the contractors with discipline to stick to what they want to do. Those are the ones that make the most money and those are the ones that do best long-term, no matter what size they are. Well, And, you know, we, we had Garrett Wilson on the podcast, which let's see, that would have been the episode that came out last Thursday. Yeah. And he talked about how, it might not even been on the podcast, it might have been after, but I'd asked him, you know, like, who else is doing, like, the work with you? He said, nobody. Just me. It's the best. And, like, I think that's, like, a, a fascinating thing because, like, I mean, sure, like you're saying, like, the margins are, are better the smaller you are. But also he's… Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. But he's, like, but also, like, I can do the work that I want to do. And the projects that interest me and that seem like something I could do really well, like, I'm going to do them. Yeah. And, like, you know who doesn't have the freedom to do that? Huge companies. Mm-mm. They got to do the stuff that like gets them that razor thin margin. Yeah. Because anything that's probably fun doesn't get them the little bit of money that like makes it makes it make sense to do. No, and you become, uh, you know, starting a construction company is way different than operating a very large construction yeah. company. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a totally different skill set. Yeah. Um. And so a guy like Garrett, he's smart enough to say, I really, I really like just building stuff. I really like operating equipment. So that's what I'm gonna do. 
I'm just going to operate equipment because you go scale a company and you go, okay, man, or maybe you, you don't, you're not owning a company. Maybe you want to be a part of management, this and that. And you're an operator right now. Well, okay, cool. You're managing job sites. You're probably making more money sometimes, not all the times. Operators make tons of money. It's pretty insane yeah. what, what labor rates are right now um, and wages are right now. But you're not going to be touching equipment anymore. Let me tell you. Because now you're operating a business or now you're managing. It's just, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. So it's not that, oh, wow, now I have all this equipment I can go run, all these badass jobs I can go help on. Dude, you're not touching equipment. I, I know enough construction business owners now to know that they don't touch equipment. And those that are still in the equipment, they're not growing their business like they need to. You if they're know, focusing you, on like, well, I still really want to <laughs> operate. Yeah, it's like, that's it, fine. It, but Dude, yeah, cool. If you just want to operate, you just want to operate. But don't also think you can go scale this massive business. Or if you want to do that, be like a Larry Ames and go find yeah. people that do want to go scale the company That's and do operate about. the business and stick in the equipment. But then you have to trust those people to go scale the business and, and operate it as they see fit because that's a different that's a different ballgame. Um, it's just everybody in the industry that I know that's done really, really well, they they know what they want to do and they stay in their damn lane and, and just become just really, really, really good at it. Whether they're an operator or a business owner or an executive or whatever it is, it's, it's all up and down the ladder. They know what they want to do and they, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And they do it way better than anybody else. But we've gone off way, way tangent. Yeah. If, if, if there you I, go, Joe. <laughs> if I was, if I was looking to make friends with other contractors, like I said, I would try to find opportunities to help them out with nothing expected in return. Well, it is kind of like a, an interesting analog to just like sales. Like if you're trying to work with another company in really any industry, mm -hmm. it's like, well, how do I like provide them some value? So then they'll kind of see some value from me yeah. and be like, oh, maybe maybe the next thing that doesn't make sense to me, I'll throw it their way just kind of as like an attaboy or, or whatever else. Or just, just talk to them too. Yeah, it just kind of like starts getting a relationship going. Yeah, just and then all a relationship of a sudden, with them. Yeah. yeah, go to lunch with them. Stop by their office. If, okay, man, this guy's a total asshole. Find someone else at the company that might not be an asshole. You know, it's just maybe just make friends with them. And it takes time too. It might take you a year or two to actually really get to know them and for them to build trust because people are not all that trusting in this world yeah. because they're bidding against each other and they're screwing each other left and right and this and that. It's a really poisonous type of mentality. Um, maybe it takes you a little bit to get there, but once you're there, you're there. Yeah. And if you're in it for the long game, okay, cool. If it takes a year or two, fine. Heck yeah. Uh, thanks, Joel. It's a great question. Um, here's another question from Joey. He says, new listener here as of today. So that would have been November 30th. I've been driving tractor trailers professionally since I was legally allowed to. As someone who's 25 years old with absolutely zero operator slash dirt experience, what's your best advice for me to get into the field without having to start from the bottom, if at all, even possible? Uh... You're kind of doing, you're, you're, like I get the income thing. You're probably making pretty good money. Um, and starting at the bottom, you're going to take a pretty significant pay cut. And maybe you have a family or something. Everybody's situation is different. So your family and, hey, I need to make some money. The way I, 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 I might do it is maybe start driving a truck or something like that for a company and just get more time around the field. Um but using your skill set that you already have with, you know, CDL, commercial driving experience, truck drivers are really needed in the industry. Yeah. Whether they're transport or hauling material or whatever it is, 
that's a badly needed skill set in the industry. And that's probably like the closest like to um you know what he's currently doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. that would be like natural progression is is if you wanted to do kind of what you're doing right now, that's where I would find an in at. Uh every company's hiring truck drivers, let me tell you. And then if you're a good truck driver, whoa, you can go really far. Really, 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 really oh yeah, because a lot of them are not good. And and so if you are if you take pride in what you do, are very detailed, are timely, are efficient, you know, you're gonna be running circles around the rest of the guys and you're gonna be able to move a lot faster than everybody else is. Yeah. That said, you're best off if you're 25, no kids, not a lot of financial obligations, to just start from the bottom and work your way up. I mean, at 25 years old, like I'm 26, dude, there's a lot of time on the clock. And starting over at this point in our lives, not all that big of a deal. Really not that big of a deal. The other thing I'm thinking about too is there is like a life experience maturity difference typically between being 25 and being 18. Mm-hmm. And like I th- that might be like a, a great opportunity to like, you know, like he, he's saying like come in at, at the bottom or whatever. But if there's like an 18-year-old who's, kind of doesn't have their shit together, who's, you know, maybe struggling to, to pick up what it just means to be like a professional in the industry versus somebody who's been working their ass off since they, like he said, he's he's been driving since he's been legally allowed to professionally. Like you come in as a 25-year-old, like with your shit together and like keeping your head down just as much, like yeah. that's probably pretty valuable. Well, and, and like I said about truck drivers too, if you if you come in as a laborer, you work your ass off, you listen, you help everybody else out, you're you're always watching. You're always being the the guy that people go like. You're gonna you're gonna move quick right now. You're going to move quick. Let me tell you. And then you're gonna have that experience from being on the ground. So you're gonna have that understanding when you are in a seat of a machine or you are a foreman or whatever it is. You just don't, you don't want to. That's a really important step that you don't want to skip for the sake of of your development. And people, uh, there's just just society sucks right now. There's just this weird pressure to go find your career when you're 18 years old or when you're 22. It's fucking insane. Yeah. It's insane. How, how do you know what you want to do if you haven't really done anything? You have to go try a bunch of shit. So, okay, you tried to be a truck driver. Hey, this was cool. This worked out for a few years. I made some good money. I traveled the United States, but I see earth moving or construction or whatever it is online. I want to be a part of that. Cool. You're in your twenties, man. Take advantage of it. Because when you're 38 with three kids at home, that's a different ball game. And mm-hmm. maybe you are stuck just being a truck driver, not just being a truck driver, but you're stuck in that career now. In your 20s, you're not all the time locked in to where you need to be. And even if you have kids at home, shoot, it's probably worth taking that risk and just trying to figure out how to make it happen and and get into a career that excites you and that you find really interesting rather than just, like you have 30 years ahead of you. Yeah. 30 years plus. Okay, so it's either take a little bit of a risk, eat shit for a year, hopefully end up in a career that you enjoy more than where you're at right now, or do what you're doing right now. Yeah, and and, and not not the you know we we like to just put things into black and white. It's not a black and white situation. Mm-hmm. There are so many complexities to figuring out what you want to do. But I'm all for if something's saying, hey, this earth moving thing is really cool, and you're in a position to. I can take a step back and I can get in at the ground floor 
I'm willing to work. I'm willing to learn. I'm going to go bust my ass and see where I can get. That's a really, really good place to be. Really good place to be. Mm -hmm. Especially with the opportunities right now in this industry. As a young guy or young person in this industry, holy shit. If you can go bust your ass, if you can go make it happen, if you are on time every day, if you are helping the company make money, there's nothing you can't do in this world right now. Because this whole labor market problem, it's a problem for the companies. But it's not a problem for the people. Dude, if you're coming into the industry right now, there are more opportunities in this industry than ever before. Ever before. For the right kind of person. It's not just given. You got to go work for it. You got to go bust your ass. But if you're willing to do it, whew, world is your oyster right now. Hell yeah, man. Joey, thanks for reaching out. Um, and uh, if you do end up uh, getting on with somebody moving into the dirt world, let us know, man. Yeah. Want to hear about or it. If you need help getting on with somebody specific, yeah. let us know. Cool. Well, that, I think, is a Monday podcast of the Dirt Talk ed- edition variety. Monday podcast, December 2021. Christmas is almost upon us. Is it ever? Yeah. I think we're going to have a Christmas special, huh? We are. We've been talking about it a little bit. I'm doing some scheming on my own. Okay, good. It's going to be good. Good. We'll have a Christmas special coming uh, soon for everybody. Until then, if you have any questions for us, write in at dirttalkatbuildwood.com. If you enjoyed the episode or think someone else should listen to this, please share it. Share it. Because they're, what's our advertising budget? Uh, I think it's zero and one penny. Zero, zero and one penny. Yeah. Yeah. So not a whole lot of an advertising budget. So if you guys wouldn't mind helping us share the podcast, that'd be really, really cool. Yep. Rate and review, um, um, sure. all that stuff. Whatever you can do, we'll take anything at this point. Um, and with that, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Stay dirty, everybody. Thanks, y'all. Check. Check, check, check. Rush it. Check. And it's before lunch? Come on. Fuck yeah. Come on.